For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants, and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with my co-host, Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. How's it going, Josh? Excellent, Dan. Great. And uh, so we'll get to our guest this evening from Kitchen's Choice. Uh, but first, uh, as we usually do, uh, why don't we just start the program by chatting a bit about some business news, some entrepreneurial news. And uh, you, of course, have uh, spent a lot of time in China. You're there at least once a year, I believe. Correct. Um, there's a couple of stories that I want to get to, uh, including our premier's visit there in a second. But first, uh, China's economy, as reported in the Globe and Mail uh, today, is uh, is slowing. I guess it had, had to happen eventually. Well, I, I guess the question is, what does slowing mean? You know, slowing for China is, you know, coming down below a 7% growth uh, period, where if you look in the rest of the world, that's that's pretty darn good. But because it's such a huge economy, it does take an effect on the rest of the world. How much of an effect? Time will tell. The the news of, of China's economy slowing is, is, while it's reported on this week, isn't necessarily that new. People have been kind of wondering about it for a while after they spent so much money in infrastructure before they needed it, after they, they certainly see where the effect in the economy is, and certainly between the U.S. and, and China and between the, the consumer powers and, and the, the, the fabrication powers. So are they slowing down? Yes. What does it mean for the rest of the world? Well, there probably is a little bit cause for concern, certainly from the energy aspect or the, the older energy aspect as they consume a little bit less. But the reality is China's consumer base still continues to grow. That middle class still is accumulating wealth that they want to spend. So the reality is if you're a Canadian business that has goods that might actually do well for a consumer market in China – go out and investigate it certainly you know has to be worth it there's there's certainly some risk in going that far overseas but there is a big market to be taken advantage of we export a lot of resources to china including oil i'm assuming is this going to have a, a negative impact on canada's economy well it might have a little bit of an impact but uh, i think there's so many other parts of the world where we can uh, export to and the reality is there's also coal that gets exported uh, in as much as it's not a very favorable, uh, you know, export from a, from a, I guess, uh, health and environmental health aspect, uh, there's certainly that part as well. And even though there's, there's, there's a bit of a slowdown on the energy front, there is no doubt Canada still, and listen, it's, is they still got to pull the oil out of the tar sands. They still got to extract it. So I, I don't see them slowing down too much in the near future. I mean, if you want to talk 20, 30, 40 years out, Maybe, but not in the very near future. Our premier uh, has been in China on an economic mission as well. Uh, what do you expect uh, would come uh, out of that? And, and do you see sort of a greater relationship between uh, China and, and not only Canada, but sort of Quebec directly? Well, I, I, one can only hope. I mean, Quebec has certainly put China on the radar as far as a, a priority from a trade standpoint. And the, the, the premier of Quebec has gone over, and I believe there's about 250 businesses or delegates that have gone with them. Uh, and that that's quite a significant amount as that hasn't happened for a very long time. So it's definitely going to show China that we're ready to do business. We, Canada, Quebec, should I say, is ready to do business with them on a much bigger scale than what we have in the past. The question becomes, has any damage been done in the past uh, that can be easily repaired? Is there concern in the business community or the part of the business community that does uh, that does uh, that has relations with China about human rights, and is is that something that uh, that could be an obstacle one day? 
Well, there's no question that, listen, you're dealing with a, a communist country. Uh, actually, you're dealing with a country that's one country, two systems, because uh, Hong Kong, uh, which is a special administrative region of China, is, in fact, a, a, a capitalistic society. I won't call it democratic, but I'll call it capitalistic. Uh, so between the, the communism and the capitalism, all under one roof, uh, I actually... You know, I think China is pretty smart. The question is, can they maintain it? Can they maintain it internally? Can they maintain it in the outside world? They, there's no doubt that the the Chinese, uh, I guess, leaders, the few of them that really lead the country, uh, they they control. Even though Hong Kong appears very capitalistic, and it actually is, they still control the puppet strings, as we're seeing with some of the protests that are happening about future government and selections for government. Um, you know, are you a capitalist or are you not? How much do you care about social responsibility? I think a lot of Canadian companies do care a lot, but if they can make a few bucks and hopefully have a viewpoint of we're going to make life a little better, contribute to the improvement in China, let's do so. Bit of an interesting test for European uh, banks, uh, a stress test to see really if uh, any of these banks are, as they say, uh, too big to fail. Um, 24 uh, did, failed this uh, this European stress test. Uh, what does that mean for Europe? And, uh, and should Canadian banks... Are Canadian banks subjected to similar tests? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, the European bank stress test that was that was done by the, the Central European uh, Union and, and, and uh, community of banks, uh, actually the report came out somewhat favorable that there were a few banks that were, uh, I guess, not doing so well, but it was actually in the minority. Yes, a couple of them were in Italy, a couple of them were in Greece, as, as we would all expect. Um, but they actually were very favorable that their balance sheets weren't as bad as it otherwise could have been. The question mark is, how rigorous were the tests? Was it really just to make them make everybody look good so the people would actually feel a little bit more comfortable, or were they really true tests? And as far as the banking Canadian system goes, it's always been on pretty solid ground. Uh, and I think there's many countries that are envious of, of our system. Indeed. And w what is special about our system that sort of uh, protected us in a way that didn't protect uh, Europe and certainly the States? Well, I, I think, first of all, we don't have a bank on every corner. You know, in the U.S., the regulations for banks, and I won't profess to know all the regulations to set up a banks worldwide, but there's no doubt when, when you're in the U.S. and you can have almost any Tom, Dick, and Harry... Okay, any, any billionaire Tom, Dick, and Harry open up a financial institution where in Canada it's extremely regulated, where you only really have the top five or six and plus a few Schedule Bs behind it, uh, Schedule B banks, the lower end banks. Uh, I think because of the few banking players in Canada and the strict regulations, that certainly has, has put our financial uh, abilities and institutions on a pedestal that's enviable versus others that maybe their regulations aren't so strict. Uh, I mean, as we've seen in the U.S., they they certainly legislated a whole bunch of new rules as far as banking goes um, because they have no choice. Is there a Canadian bank that's too big to fail? Is would the economy be uh, be uh, uh, taken for a ride or or per, turned into a tumult if one bank did fail? Uh, anything is possible. I mean, the 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 big the big uh, players at the banks they they invest constantly. I mean, you know, when you think banking, you're not just thinking about individual borrowings and little mortgages here and there. They do heavily invest in infrastructures and in outside investments. Uh, you know, large large loans uh, with major players, and it's those decisions that may or may not break them. I mean, there's some been some major banks that have taken some billion dollar hits over the years uh, from whether. It was real estate plays, large real estate plays outside of Canada uh, or not. And those are the items that, 
that really Mr. Joe consumer has no idea about and will never control. Uh, quickly, before we go to break, uh, locally, very locally, St. Denis is uh, is struggling. Uh, this story from the Montreal Gazette, uh, a lot more closed up shops uh, than there than there have been. And St. Denis is not the only area. I mean, if you've been on Prince Arthur lately, uh, that's kind of a problem. Uh, but what what's going on in the retail landscape in Canada now, particularly in, in Quebec? And uh, is there anything that uh, that local governments or anyone can do to sort of uh, encourage more retail uh, retail shopping? Yeah, they can stop constructing and open up the streets. I mean, <laughs> you know, people have to be able to get to the stores. Uh, you know, I, I think the congestion that's created in, in downtown or in these areas is so huge that the people that are just outside the core or outside the, the plateau and downtown and all that don't necessarily want to come to these congested areas. So entrepreneurs take note if you're in a if you're in an area that's more downtown it doesn't mean you're going to fail but you better make sure that your business your product your service stands up above the rest and makes your customer want to wade through all that and get to your store and buy your product maybe have an online backup plan too that always helps thanks josh uh, coming up we'll uh, get to our profile for the evening on today's entrepreneur david saliba of kitchen's choice but first it's 7 15. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. And this evening, our profile is David Saliba of Kitchen's Choice. They are located in Point Claire. David, welcome to CJD. Thank you. So our first question is very easy. Tell us about yourself and tell us about Kitchen's Choice. Well, about myself, well, what I can say, I'm a hard worker. About Kitchen Choice, it's um, a challenge. Um, it's a unique store. Um, I had to be involved in in a way to um, to make the business running in a proper way. Uh, better to come and see the store because as much as I talk is not enough. So uh, in general, uh, it, it's um, it's a name. Uh, as we call it, it's a brand name, Kitchen Choice, and the name tells about it, the choice for the kitchen. That's what can explain everything about the, the store. So what kind of products are they? I mean, are they gadgets? It's not large appliances. Like, Give no, us some no. examples of the products that you sell. Yeah, we, you start from uh, spoons, ladle, knives, uh, pots, uh, gadgets that makes the life easy while you're preparing some foods. Um, actually, uh, what... Uh, Makes it amazing when customer comes in and the customer service that are on the floor reported that to us saying, uh, have you ever heard about something like that? So we made the research, uh, our customer, our uh, marketing department did the research and they found, let's say, this product. They analyzed it. They uh, found it interesting. If it's interesting, they get it on, uh, into the store. Uh, if we compare the store when it was opened a year ago till now, a lot of people noticed that uh, there is a big changes from the day one till now, at least uh, thousands and thousands of new items that have been added to the store. The other interesting thing I see on your website, and I'm seeing this more in terms of retail space, is using that space off hours, uh, which is kind of cool, in this case, uh, for cooking classes. Tell us about that. Yeah, uh, that's good that you noticed that. Uh, inside the store, they um, implement an experimental kitchen, and I was about to talk about that during the interview. Uh, in that kitchen, uh, kitchen area inside, uh, we have uh, chefs from France uh, that does their own studies about the culinary stuff at Cordon Bleu, uh, Chef Romain Eremy, uh, and uh, they do a lot of uh, 
demonstration during some events and uh, they give cooking classes, chocolate courses, pastry courses, and they are fun to be with. Was this something that was an idea from day one or did it develop? Yes, it afterwards? was idea from day one. As part of a way to get more foot traffic, more people in the store? One, it's one one of those points is that one. And also, um, sometimes uh, I've heard from the customer service on the floor, uh, when the customer comes in, uh, our, the, the, the salespeople on the floor, they are having a lot of product knowledge since day one before they start doing their job on the floor. So sometimes the customer, when he comes in, they convince him about the product with a lot of knowledge that they give. Uh, sometimes the customer... He's not sure if he can work with this tool, yes or no. So if the, the item in particular exists in the kitchen, so they took him to the kitchen, there is plenty of food, plenty of tools, they try it, and you must see, they told me, that you must see how the face of the customer is happy and experimenting uh, this new challenge of pr trying the product in the kitchen and found it fun uh, purchasing and shopping at Kitchen Choice. Feed the customer, what can go wrong? So, so these uh, these activities, it's kind of interesting. Do you, do you consider this marketing? Is this sort of a lost leader to promote your business, or is it sort of uh, another another way to generate revenue, or is it both? Not to generate revenue, just to drag people to come and have fun, have their own parties. Uh, some people they ask, uh, they like the salespeople told me that uh, something they come ask, uh, do you have any specific uh, uh, meals that you can offer, let's say for vegetarian people, people who are diabetic, uh, people who are on uh, alkaline food. So uh, they asked so many questions. That's what they reported to me. And uh, I don't know, uh, it's going to be uh, a new challenge to offer these kind of courses. You know, Dan, we've had a number of retailers on over the years and the 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 real I guess question mark that they that they put out there and their their whole strategy has to say how do we get foot traffic how do we get people in the store how can we be a little bit different and I think the having a little kitchen or a, a chef's area and a cooking class uh, is a great way to attract people into retail store to sell certainly to help sell your kitchen products and when we come back from the break we'll talk a little more marketing and some other aspects about Kitchen's Choice David Saliba of Kitchen's Choice our guest this evening on today's Entrepreneur at seven twenty three. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.25, our guest this evening is David Saliba of Kitchen's Choice, which is in Point Claire, Josh. And we're talking about uh, marketing and, and Kitchen's Choice. David uh, certainly came up with a unique a unique offering to bring his people, to bring the customers into the store, offering cooking classes, having a kitchen set up. Now, that's def definitely something unique, and, and you certainly don't see it anywhere. When you first opened the store, David, did you have certain marketing ideas in mind? Other than, other than this, how did you get the name out there? What worked best for you, and maybe what didn't work so good? Well, actually... It's not me, myself, who decided this. The Kitchen Choice has their own marketing department. And I was amazed by uh, the studies they've made. Uh, I assisted a bit to their uh, analysis uh, regarding the marketing points. And uh, I was laughing sometimes the way they uh, did the layout of the store. They said, we have to put this color because having this color... Uh, will let the customer feel comfortable shopping because different colors will let him be stressed out and has to leave out from the store fast. Uh, that's one point. And the other point they start to explain to me, uh, the, I believe, again, the Kitchen Choice Marketing Department, that the layout is very important. Uh, 
don't put uh, let's say uh, tea stuff with uh, juicing stuff like uh, you have to be by fe- uh, team like uh, put this product with that product make them uh, separate and a year later do you find that all these ideas still work do you tweak along the way do you make any subtle changes i listen a lot to their comments and uh, it's working well that's what i hear from customers that they told the sales uh, sales rep on the floor that people they like the store they enjoy coming to the store and uh, that's the best about it do you solicit feedback from your customers no or you just wait for them to comment they actually what happened is the sales people on the floor they are so familiar in sales and they have the talent they choose them in a proper way that talented people they communicate uh, properly with the person uh, they know exactly what they need uh, they the most important thing in communication as well when somebody talks the other person must listen and vice versa to make the communication successful and that's what happened uh, most of people they leave the store and even they put comments on facebook i've read sometimes on facebook excellent service uh, product knowledge excellent so uh, when you're when you're trying to get out the name kitchen's choice are you using online are you using social media are you using newsprint radio what did you do to get that name out other than the layout of the store people have to come in and see it how did you get them actually to the store what efforts did you make to get them there since the beginning when the plan was uh, done the marketing department of kitchen choice uh, along with the graphic designer and all these departments uh, they decided to go reach people it's it's a new store that's starting mm-hmm. right so there is there is a message that has be has to be transferred and sent to end user or consumer to come so it was first uh, using different uh, channels of radio tvs in the beginning and then uh, local newspapers and uh, the social medias do you measure the results customer service mentioned to me that um, after talking to people as well they know they know exactly which channel of advertising or media brought more results to the store than other one now you're located where exactly in point clear in the mega center de source did you just before we get to the break maybe you can quickly say was the selection of a location important on the foot traffic and how many people you thought would come to you Actually, that's a very important point. Uh, in all businesses, there is three words that you have to use. Location, location, location. So um, based on that, they did the studies and they found that it's going to be a successful uh, opportunity to, to launch Kitchen Choice from that point. Talking with David Saliba from Kitchen's Choice. A uh, little bit of marketing in the last comments. Of course, everybody knows location, location, it's come location. come up before on the show. It's come up once or twice before <laughs> on the show. And uh, more after, more with David Saliba and Kitchen's Choice when we come back after the news. All right, at 7.30. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 736, welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you, as we are every Monday night at 7. And Josh, our guest this evening is David Saliba of Kitchen's Choice. They're located in Point Claire, and they sell uh, kitchen um, accessories, as well as they have in-store demonstrations, cooking classes, uh, tutorials, stuff like that. Um, when it comes to, uh, to marketing, David, uh, we talked about a couple of strategies, including those in-store demos, which are becoming more popular 
popular now. It's uh, really uh, a neat and practical idea. Uh, what about contesting and, and sort of the, the, the process of gathering people's emails and, and what you do with them? Tell us a bit about that and how it helps your business. Well, we inform customers on the floor that uh, they can fill their form, their, their address, their name, their email, and they put it in the box where I believe the November 1st there will be a drawing. And uh, whoever filled that sheet and put it in the box supposed to be in the store that day during the drawing. If they're not in and let's say their name didn't show up, they won't get nothing. So there is a gift certificates that will be distributed. Uh, uh, value up to like twenty, fifty, hundred dollars. Uh, three different certificate. And I, uh, I guess the point is that you're you're tr you're collecting these email addresses voluntarily right. from people. You're that's not right. coercing them. That's right. Uh, and that certainly will help uh, future direct marketing email that's marketing true. campaigns with their approval. With it, which is most important, certainly that's as true. we have our our castle, our Canada anti-spam uh, legislation. That's right. That's right. Now, it, now I know we've been talking a lot about marketing and getting people to the store, mm -hmm. but of course, once they're in the store, they need the right product to buy. They need to be satisfied. And when you're talking about kitchen gadgets and accessories, there must be thousands of products out there. That's right. How do you how do you manage? How do you what's the 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 process of selection that you must go through? Uh, certainly before you open the store day one, and then as you manage it throughout. Maybe you can talk a little bit about the selection of the product themselves. Well, selection, there is product that Kitchen Choice purchased uh, from uh, major brands in the market. And uh, they, they have their own brand as well, which is Kitchen Choice brand. And some exclusive, uh, not some, about 10,000 exclusive European product that belongs to Kitchen Choice. Now, the selection on other gadgets, which is uh, very minor, uh, they evaluate the designer and uh, the department of uh, marketing as well, uh, which product fits better doing this job. You know, in the market, there is plenty of different, ga uh, same gadgets from different uh, companies. But uh, the most important thing is to, weigh the, uh, to evaluate the product from the weight to the finishing to the, let's say we're talking about the greater, how is it sharp well compared to others or not, and so on. There is a lot of features you have to discuss before you choose the product. So do, so you basically go out and test all the products and research them before they come in the store? Absolutely. This is why Kitchen Choice must be uh, tested and for quality and well-performed product before being in the store. And the people that are on the floor selling them, they need to be well-versed in selling your product as well. They will be informed and they have a lot of product knowledge and they have more confidence in the product to sell it like that. Do you train them? Do the, do the sales staff go through a training process with all these products? All the time. Weekly, we can say. That's And uh, even I, in the beginning, uh, the, the, the sales department give the instruction to every sales rep on the floor, let's say... Person A, you have to make your own research on the internet on this product. Person B, you have to do the research on this, another product. And then the person A has to explain the product to the others. And person B has to explain the same product that he searched for to the other uh, friends and vice versa. Very interesting. And I presume they also are online and go see your competition and stores and what they're doing. So I guess part of that process is being able to keep tabs on what else is out there. That's right. Now... How closely, I mean, I, I ask this question kind of knowing the answer always, but how closely do you monitor your competition and and how much time do you spend really just trying to differentiate yourself from them? 
I don't do that evaluation myself, but uh, the person on the floor, once he receive a comment about the product, each one has his own uh, computer, has his own research uh, place. He does the research or she does the research and they come back with the results about uh, what's happening in the market, uh, what happened with the competitors, what product they're offering, what we can offer better and so on. Do you worry about competing against the big box stores that bring in so much goods for, for nothing? Well, you know, uh, if we take a look closely to big box store, everybody thinks that they sell product cheap or they have a purchasing power. Uh, actually, the s space that allocate for kitchen accessories in their store is very minor versus our store. Like It depends proportionally on the their surface of their store. Uh, we have 13,000 square feet dedicated only for kitchen accessories. Uh, for them, they buy and, and their purchasing uh, power is very strong. Yes, they put, let's say, one item as a loss leader item one day to drag people come into store. But don't forget that they have a big overhead. Mm -hmm. So they cannot survive all the time by selling uh, on the cost or below the cost. That's an interesting point because uh, there are some areas, and I'm sure maybe kitchen stuff is, is one of those areas uh, that uh, aren't necessarily sort of um, put uh, uh, as a priority in many of these big box stores, and that's where people like you can come in. You know what? In a big box store also there is a problem. When, when you come into the store, who does the service to your customer, to, to the customer? Nobody. You walk in, you look, you have to read, you have to uh, inform yourself by reading. Uh, that's why most of the people, they go to specialty stores such as Kitchen store Choice so they can ask the customer service uh, on the floor. They inform them about the product, why we have this product, we don't carry the other product. And we have to put the yes and no or the positive and negative about each product to show them that what we have has more advantage than what other competitor has. So your team on the floor really is, I would say, almost as important as the product you sell because if their knowledge isn't up to par, then it's going to be very difficult for them for them to get the product to move out the door. Well, I, I call them our treasure. And do you find it difficult to find your treasures? <laughs> is well, it, are they easy to, to locate, to train? Uh well, from uh, day one, you can tell if the customer, if the if the sales rep is um, has the potential or uh, he likes what he's doing. If he likes what he's doing, it's very important. Second, the environment at Kitchen Choice is very friendly. Like there is no boss, no supervisor, they're all a team. I know you've only been around a little over a year, although you've been conceiving it. But as as you look back, uh, you know, is there anything maybe? you would have done a little differently or maybe would have made a different decision along the way? Um, I, it reminded me about the story that uh, they hired a person and I wasn't very confident of having this person in particular to work for us. And uh, finally, I was right. And uh, we had some problem uh, with that person in particular, but uh, we solved it uh, positive to our way. That's great. Anything new? Like what's on tap? I mean, you're looking, would you go, you have a retail store. Would you do online sales? It's one of our important uh, tasks to finish. Our uh, system is ready for that. Our graphic designer department is working on loading all the data and supposed to be ready beginning to the 2015. And uh, before Christmas, I believe I've heard that the loyalty card will be ready before Christmas as well. All right, and coming up, uh, we'll talk about uh, some uh, online and tech issues with uh, Kevin Ammerman. Twiddle. And Twiddle, Twiddle, Dan.
Yeah, this twiddle stands for This Week in Data Loss. And uh, Kevin will uh, will take us through that in a moment. Cautionary Tales at 7.45. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants, and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.48, welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. Our guests this evening, David Saliba with us of Kitchen's Choice. We'll have his one piece of advice for today's Entrepreneur coming up. But first, Kevin Ammerman, IT consultant with Fuller Landau, is back. How are you doing, Kevin? Fine, thank you very much. And uh, this segment, uh, we don't do it every week, but we might start. Ha we might have to do it every week. It's awesome. Um, Twiddle, this week in data loss. Um, first of all, uh, is, is, is this problem becoming so overwhelming that it requires a weekly segment who who suffered the loss lately lately well uh since i've been here i think it's been two weeks since i've been here last um we've got staples we've got rob ford's hospital apparently they released some personal information on him uh dairy queen and kmart so all big names and all uh wow. they lost thousands thousands of records so uh, now what type of information do do they do they lose i mean it's people's names it's credit cards it's a whole slew of information well in the case of the hospital they actually lost the or gave up somebody leaked the information on a specific patient including patient details um for uh staples it's still it's a it's a possibility they haven't come out and declared that they've lost data yet but uh, some of the credit card processing agencies have have raised some flags that they've traced transactions uh, back to Staples, and the, the same cards seem to be being abused in other locations. So mostly it's not personal information, but it's it's actual credit card data theft. So they don't get the personal information off the card, but they get the account information. Now, this is, ha this is not happening from online transactions. This might be in-store or could be both. Uh, these specific ones have been exclusively on-store. So they, they seem to be uh, intercepting the card data as it's being swiped. So the, 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 the customers are doing everything right. They've got the physical card in hand to process the transaction and the information is still being lost. So we're not, nobody, nobody should be turned off the online sales just yet. This is actually hard stuff that's going on behind the, behind the doors of the actual retailers. These specific ones, yes, but there have been some big online data losses. Well, in the last month, there's been tens of thousands lost, unfortunately. So between JP Morgan and some of the other online retailers, such as Target, there were uh, literally tens of thousands of pieces of information lost. I guess just be as prudent as you can wherever you go. Uh, yes, and you got to make sure that you that you can count on your credit card company because really that especially when it's uh, the, the the data is being lost after a physical swipe transaction, it's really the consumer did nothing wrong in this case, and the the credit card companies have to buck up and pay the price at this point. And the consumer needs to really monitor their credit card statements to make sure nothing goes through that's a little. Uh off and continue to monitor them after the fact so ideally the card would be replaced and hopefully what the credit card companies or perhaps the retailers what they're doing is providing some sort of credit monitoring service in the future as well now let's switch gears a lot i mean great great uh, great twiddle report thank you very much but now let's go on to you know entrepreneurs or you know we certainly they, or they certainly have to when they're deciding on what systems to go into, you know, do they have their, do they go into a web-based systems? Do they do something in-house, uh, whether it's accounting or otherwise? Can you shed a little light uh, on that, at least to start? Well, what we're seeing now is there are more and more accounting services springing up online. Some of them are very, very well done and provided by larger companies. Um, and these companies are sort of offering an alternative to their sort of traditional boxed products that they sell to be installed on the end user's computers. So what we see is there is a difference in the features. Um, typically, the, the software that you install on your computer does have a lot more features, but it also costs more. Um, so 
we got to look at each client individually and see if the online offerings are at a, at a at a place where they can meet the consumer's needs. And if so, then maybe look at moving them over there to save some money and, and to gain some efficiency because it's much more easy to use for multiple locations. Just a question of number of transactions. Is that one of the main criteria? Uh, it's not really the number of transactions, but more features such as uh, inventory control, um, uh, payroll services, things like this. Um, in some cases, there have been sort of accessory services. So third parties have come up to fill the gaps. Um, for example, there are a number of very good online inventory control companies now, uh, but it ends up with a few more moving pieces to the puzzle. So it's 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 a it can be a good solution if you're comfortable with it. But uh, the safe way to go is still with the the in-house stuff if you're really dealing with those kind of inventory issues. No, and certainly it really depends. It's kind of a case-by-case case as, as companies go. So when we come back from the break, we'll uh, touch a little bit more about what might be the best system for you. More with Kevin Ammerman, IT consultant, and we'll also have David Saliba's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.55 on today's entrepreneur, David Saliba of Kitchen's Choices with us and Kevin Ammerman, IT specialist with Fuller Landau. And we're talking, uh, before we left, we are talking about web-based accounting systems versus in-house accounting systems. And, you know, what components do, do entrepreneurs use? And that might give some guidance on which, which, they, which they choose. Uh, and, and certainly the privacy of information. I mean, how much does that play into the choice of having your system in-house versus something web-based? It's a really, really big deal. Um, so there are definite advantages. And that's really what, that's probably one of the biggest driving features is to, to get better access for all of the employees in the company, even the ones that are not physically inside the office. But with that comes the risks of, you know, unauthorized access and making sure that the right people have control. So it's very important to make sure that the systems are encrypted to make sure that only the right people have access, because honestly, that's the biggest problem. Um, yes, there's risk of being hacked and things like this, but the most common problems are misconfigurations. So uh, someone grants a user the wrong privileges. And that's just a little bit easier to do in a web-based environment. Is there also services uh, that can monitor if you're getting hacked or, or if your system is, is secure? I mean, short of having somebody stare at a screen 24-7, uh, how, can, how can owners, how can entrepreneurs get alerted that, hey, you know what, my, my system that's, that's based in the cloud or, or somewhere on the web, is there's an attack? It's really difficult for small businesses. So yes, there's monitoring services that will tell you if your server is up and active or if it's uh, re responding slowly, which would be an indication of an attack. But uh, more importantly, the, uh, the transaction processing people, so whatever banking service you're using to actually process the payments, they frequently have some sort of monitoring service that looks for anomalous transactions or perhaps a number of transactions that are all identical or something like this, and will raise a flag at that time. So yeah, you really have to rely quite a bit on the, on the card processing services. But it's not going to be the, the, the say, a web-based accounting system that's going to flag it for you. Um, probably not. So in the accounting system itself, uh, usually they use a third party for the, for those kinds of transactions. Um, the, the accounting data is typically not quite as big a target, um, for hackers. And they, they typically, again, these days it's a little bit different because they do go occasionally for personal information, but usually they go straight for the, the cash. And, and quickly, just before we get to David's one piece of advice, cost, web-based, in-house, do you see a trend? Is one tend to be less expensive than the other, or there's too many criteria? In the long term, uh, buying the software usually pays off a little bit. Um, it's a little bit more expensive to buy up front, 
and you the the web-based services you, you end up paying for month by month so you're paying a smaller amount per month but after say two or three years that cost equals out excellent thanks very much kevin and as we approach the end of the show as we always do we'll turn to our guest david saliba of kitchen's choice and ask you david what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur well, that's uh, something I learned from another entrepreneur, and which I believe it's a very good advice. Always watch your small bills. Don't watch your bigger bills. Bigger bills, you know, that's going to be 50000 100000 but smaller bills, if it's added day after day, it makes thousands of dollars at the end of the year. Uh, I think it's excellent. You know, Dan, we've, hear, we've heard often some people actually get lost in the details, but the details can be very important. And I'll tell you, Dan, the, the takeaway that I get from the show, and there was an, a number of good comments that, that David made, but certainly as we focused on marketing and differentiating your product and service, uh, the, the concepts that Kitchen's Choice has come up with to be a little bit different, to have uh, a cooking class in-house, to work a little bit better on the, the getting addresses, email addresses for their, for their marketing campaign, just differentiating themselves in, in, in certainly an environment that has huge competition like many others. I think uh, kudos to him, and that's something that every entrepreneur can walk away with saying, you know what, maybe i got to try something like that. And in my day job, I always say content is king, and, and David is giving away a lot of good content uh, using his store off hours, and uh, that's a really good move. David, thanks for your, for stopping by CJD tonight. Thanks for you, and thanks for our listeners as well. Thanks to Kevin Ammerman, and we are back uh, next week uh, here, right here on Today's Entrepreneur, Monday nights at 7 p uh, p.m., and uh, The Exchange is next on CJD. It's 8 o'clock.